Some more grunge on the Super It's podcast is on this episode. We're talking about Soundgarden and Black Hole Sun. Let's do it. Hello, friends. I'm Supersonic Jamie C, a.k.a. Megamix.com. I'm here with my co-host, the Mariner, known as Slip with Five Seahawks. What's cracking, pal? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Come on, dude. Yeah, oh. What's cracking? Uh, oh. <laughs> That's, you know what, thumbs down, you mariner. Thumbs thumbs up. Uh, We are heading back to the Pacific Northwest on this, the 120th episode of the Super Hits Podcast. Seattle is the scene. Soundgarden is the band. The sun is a black hole. And my son is the not-so-little Bing who Mm -hmm. requested this. So uh, let's get right into it. All right, here we go. Uh, By 1994, Soundgarden had been around for 10 years, was firmly shoehorned into the grunge genre that had sprouted out of the Seattle music scene in the late 80s and early 90s. Uh, grunge, which fit well as a label for bands like Tad or Love Battery, Skin Yard, and maybe the early Nirvana, was like this catch-all term mm-hmm. for like a cultural phenomenon more for than more than for the music itself. Um, Soundgarden, of course, was an interesting case. They were heavy like Alice in Chains, melodic like Nirvana, and had that same classic rock tinge of Pearl Jam, but they had a sound all their own that kind of died defied the grunge tag. Uh, Their first two EPs, Screaming Life and FOP, had been released on Seattle's uh, sub-pop label. Their debut album, Ultra Mega OK, was released on the Long Beach label SST in 1988. They signed with A&M in 89 and released their major label debut, Louder Than Love, in late 1989. They didn't really break through, though, until 1991, when they released their third album, Bad Motorfinger. Uh, The focus on the Seattle grunge scene helped bring attention to Mad Motorfinger, and the singles Outshine and Rusty Cage were able to find major audience in rock radio and MTV. Bad Motorfinger became the band's highest-charting album at the time on the Billboard 200, where it peaked at number 39. Uh, Following the release of Bad Motorfinger, Soundgarden went on a North American tour in October and November 1991. Uh, After that, Guns N' Roses personally selected the band as its opening act for their Use Your Illusion tour. Nice. The band also opened for Skid Row in North America in February 92. Uh, and then headed to Europe for a month-long headlining theater tour. They rejoined Guns N' Roses in the summer of 92 in Europe as part of the Use Your Illusion tour. There, along with fellow opening act Faith No More. Um, describing opening for Guns N' Roses, singer and guitarist Chris Cornell said, it wasn't a whole lot of fun going out in front of 40,000 people for 35 minutes every day. Most of them never heard our songs and didn't care about them. It was really bizarre. The band played uh, the 1992 Lollapalooza tour with the Red Chili Peppers, Pearl Jam, Ministry, and Ice Cube, among others. Uh-huh. In, great. Lollapalooza 92, ridiculous. Yep. Uh, in anticipation of the band's appearances at Lollapalooza, they re- released a limited edition copy of Bad Motorfinger with a second disc containing the EP Satan Oscillate My Metallic Sonatas, uh-huh. which is a title that is a palindrome. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, it features a cover of Black Sabbath's Into the Void, which was nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Metal Performance in 1993. Because you know the Grannies. Yeah. Like, we got to nominate Soundgarden for this, like, cover on, like, this EP that no one has. They just, we got to put some grunge in to be legitimate, just like they did with rap, like, five mm-hmm. years before. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, still looking for the big breakthrough moment, however, they began working on their fourth album. The individual band members worked on material on their own and then brought in demos to which the other members uh, would contribute. Chris Cornell said the band members allowed each other, each other more freedom than on past records. Guitarist Kintail observed that even though the band spent as much time writing and arranging as it had on the previous albums, it spent a lot more time working on recording. Uh, the, ba- the album's recording sessions took place uh, in July 93 to September 93 at Bad Animal Studio in Seattle. 
the drum and bass parts were recorded first for each song, and then Cornell and Thiel would lay down their parts over top. The band spent time experimenting with different guitar and drum sounds, as well as utilizing techniques such as layering, resulting in the expansive production sound. Uh, the album, titled Super Unknown, is comprised of 15 songs, clocking in at uh, approximately 70 minutes. Ooh. Because according to Cornell, we really didn't want to argue over what we should be cut, so they kept it all in. All right. And then brought in Brendan O'Brien to mix the album. The producer, Michael Beinhorn, felt the band needed a fresh pair of ears. O'Brien had become had come recommended by Pearl Jam's Stone Gossard. Uh, Thayel called the mixing process very painless, and bassist Ben Shepard said it was the fastest part of the record. The Wiccai calls Super Unknown quite dark and mysterious. <laughs> Much of it is often interpreted to be dealing with issues such as substance abuse, suicide, and depression, with running themes of revenge, annihilation, seclusion, fear, loss, death, and discovery. All right. Uh, much to mine and my son's chagrin, Soundgarden used many alternate tunings and odd time signatures on several of the album songs. Uh, Black Hole Sun is in drop D. Uh, that is easy. That's where the, the low E string on the guitar is tuned down a couple steps to D. All right. That's very easy. Other tracks use things like drop C, open C, and the notorious EE quadruple B, which is a nightmare to tune. Are you the EE? All right. The time signatures are tasty. We got five, four, six, four, seven, four, even fifteen, eight shows up uh-huh. sometimes within the same song. Uh, <laughs> Super unknown is uh, fantastic and challenging. Listen, but it's also loaded with monster hooks and singable choruses. Upon its release in March nineteen ninety four, Super unknown debuted at number one on the Billboard two hundred. All right, eventually closed the year as the thirteenth best selling album of ninety four, selling two point five million copies in the U S. The album has been certified six times platinum in the U S, three times platinum in Canada, Australia. Two times platinum in Sweden, platinum in the UK, and gold in the Netherlands and Italy. Uh, but enough about the album. Let's dive into Black Hole Sun. All right. <laughs> Recorded along with the rest of Super Unknown, as I said, at Bad Animals in Seattle, Black Hole Sun was written by Chris Cornell, produced by Michael Beinhorn. Uh, Cornell explained the song's origins to Uncut Magazine in 2014. He says, I wrote it in my head driving home from Bear Creek Studio in Woodenville, a 35 to 40 minute drive from Seattle. It sparked from something a news anchor said on TV, and I heard wrong. I heard blah, 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 black hole sun, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh-huh. I thought that would make an amazing song title, but what would it sound like? I love how the song title came first. Yep. That's, that's clay. Um, it, all came pretty, it all came together pretty much the whole arrangement, including guitar solo that's played beneath the riff. Riff, I spent a lot of time spinning uh, those melodies in my head so I wouldn't forget them. I got home and whistled it into a dictaphone. The next, I love how he whistled it. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, yes! Uh (laughs) Classic. Uh, The next day I brought it into the real world, assigning a couple key changes in the verses to make the melodies more interesting. And uh, then he wrote the the lyrics that was similar, a stream of consciousness based on a feeling I got from the chorus and title. Cordell said that he wrote the song in about 15 minutes. He used a Gretsch guitar to write the song and commented, I wrote the song thinking the band wouldn't like it. Then it became the biggest hit of the summer. The song was performed in a slightly sharp drop detuning, but that makes it hard to play along with. It's so annoying. Uh Uh-huh. Drummer Matt Cameron called the, uh, the song a huge departure. Musically, Black Hole Sun has been described as grunge, psychedelic rock, alternative rock, and hard rock, to which I wrote, so, rock. Yeah. <laughs> it clocks yes. in at 5 minutes and 18 seconds. Oof. Quite long by super hit standards. Yep. It was released by AM as the third single off Super Unknown just a smidge over 29 years ago. All right. May 13, 1994. So uh, this episode is coming to you on the 19th of May. So just over 29 years ago. Yep. Discogs lists 30 versions of the single, mostly on CD, but a few cassettes and a 7-inch p- picture disc is uh, is in there as well. 
Um, the European CD single includes an acoustic version of the album cut Like Suicide, a live version of the album cut Kickstand. Another European release features live versions of Bad Motor Fingers Jesus Christ Pose and a live version of Super Unknown's My Wave. It also includes a remix of the track Spoon Man. All right. Uh, the U.S. single features a live version of Ultra Mega OK's Beyond the Wheel and the Spoon Man remix. He covered Pixie Man holding his temples with a flower-like halo behind him. Uh, Black Hole Sun has appeared on a whole bunch of compilations. Here are some notables that I found. Uh, now Hits 94. We've got one called Most Wanted Rock, which is a pretty good collection despite having a song by some band named Clawfinger with a one-word title that I can't and will not say here. Oh, no. All right. Um, the Very Best Alternative Slash Grunge Ballads is a compilation that Black Hole Sun is on. Uh-huh. Um, it also includes the song MMMM by the Crash Test Dummies. Okay. Which we tore apart back on episode ninety six. <laughs> yes, highest recommendation to listen to that episode. We are we're savage beasts. On oh, that one. oh, we we showed them. Super, we should call that one Super Hits Unleashed. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, spoiler alert: uh, This is included on the Ultimate Grammy box set. Uh, there's a two thousand and one compilation called New American Noise uh-huh. Z, uh, which also features a song by Cisco. Oh no. And a track by one of your fa- our favorite artists ever. Yep. Papa Roach. <laughs> yes. Uh, then there's just a slew of mid-2000s alternative and horror rock collections. Uh, Soundgarden released four hits collections, all of which probably include Black Hole Sun. We've got A-Sides, Telephantasm, uh, Echo of Miles, and Essentials. Uh, out there in TV land, Black Hole Sun has appeared in a 1994 episode of Dead at 21, a 1994 episode of Beavis and Butthead. Yep. Uh, Beavis and Butthead enjoyed the video's visuals. Butthead said that a black hole is kind of like a big, giant bunghole in uh, outer space. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it's not wrong. It's, it's true. It is true. Uh, there's a 29 episode of the show, Get This, 1994. Uh-huh. And a 2022 episode of For All Mankind. Mm-hmm. Uh, black Hole Sun was a playable track in the 2007 video game Rock Band. The song is also available in the 20, 2008 video game games Karaoke Revolution Presents American Idol Encore oh, Jesus. and Sing Star 90s, both for the PlayStation 2. Yes. Uh, Guitar Heroes Warriors of Rock features the song in its downloaded, downloadable content library and is a playable track in the TV mode of Guitar Hero Live. Uh, Setlist.fm lists 294 performances of Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden, along with 392 solo performances by Chris Cornell. Yep. It also lists... 433 performances of the song by Peter Frampton. <laughs> no. Yes. What? I, All right. So I went on I went on YouTube and I listened to Frampton play it at the Royal Albert Hall in London in 2022. It's mostly instrumental and it's actually pretty good. All right. So if there was a Royal Samovar trophy to give, yes. because it's at the Royal Albert Hall, uh-huh. I would give it to Pete for the talk box horrific efforts. Okay. Uh, anyway, Soundgarden first performed on January 20th, 1994 at the Roxy in Brisbane, Australia. Uh, the surviving band members, minus Cornell, who passed away on May 18th, uh, 2017, which is six years ago, almost to the day uh, that were, that were, this airs. Uh, also, Ben Shepard, the bassist, wasn't a part of it, but uh, they, it was, so it was Kim Tael and uh, Matt Cameron performed Black Hole Sun at the Taylor Hawkins Tribute Show uh, on September 27th, 2022. So uh, Tael and Cameron were joined by Chris Novoselic, Dave Grohl, Pat Smear, and singer Taylor Momsen. Okay. It's a bit raw, but pretty good and great to see. And I said, Momsen did a very good job of singing it. So okay. that was the last time that it's been played. 
And I don't get an off. I don't often get a chance to say this, but I have seen Soundgarden live. Oh, nice. Yep. Winnipeg Arena, August eighth, nineteen ninety four. They played Black Hole Sun. I actually have a really shitty quality version uh, recording of the show that I found on the Internet Archive. Even with the bad quality, the song sounds awesome. All right. Uh, and finally, I included Black Hole Sun on a monthly mix, my twelfth to be exact, way back in March nineteen ninety four. Nicely done. Let's go to lyrics. Here we go. Regarding the song's lyrics, Cornell stated it's just sort of a surreal dreamscape, a weird play with the title kind of song. He also said lyrically, it's probably the closest to me just playing with words for words' sake of anything I've written. I guess it worked for a lot of people who heard it, but I have no idea how you'd begin to take that one literally. So remember that. Yep. Just remember that. Uh-huh. Another in another interview he elaborated further, saying it's funny because those hits are usually sort of congruent, sort of with an identifiable lyric idea, and that song pretty much had none. The chorus lyric is kind of beautiful and easy to remember. Other than that, I'm sure I didn't have an understanding of it after I wrote it. It was just sucked in by the music, and I was painting a picture with the lyrics. There was no real idea to get across. Yeah, the lyrics um, the lyrics don't really do much for me, but I do like that he says, sometimes far too long for snakes. So <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. I do enjoy that he works in the, the word stench in the song. Yes. Which is great. Boiling heat summer stench. Commenting about how the song was misinterpreted as being positive, Cornell said, no one seems to get this, but Black Hole Sun is sad, but because the melody is really pretty, everyone thinks it's almost chipper, which is ridiculous. Uh, Cornell reflected on the song's lyrical content uncut in 2014. He said, what's interesting to me is the combination of a black hole and a sun. He said, a black hole is a billion times larger than the sun. It's a void, a giant circle of nothing. And then you have the sun, the giver of all life. This was the combination of bright and dark, the sense of hope and underlying moodiness. But uh, unless you wanted to plug this into chat, chat GPT, I'd, we can uh, move on to what the experts have to oh say. Oh, no, already done. Here's what chat okay. GPT had to say. Okay. The lyrics of the song describe a dystopian world where the sun has turned black, the sky is dark, and people are lost in a world of confusion and despair. Uh, let's see here. Chris Cornell has stated that the song was inspired by his observations of society's obsession with entertainment and superficiality. Black Hell Sun is a metaphor for the empty, soulless nature of popular culture, and the song's lyrics suggest that this emptiness is taking a toll on people's mental and emotional well-being. So that's what the AI had to say. Well done. You know, I think about it too, is that Cornell said a few different things. Yep. And I think about this. Imagine doing that many interviews in your life and trying to keep it all straight. Yep. Like, I can barely keep an episode straight. Uh-huh. This, like, <laughs> yes. 30 minutes, I'm, like, stumbling around. Yep. Like, damn words. So, uh, anyway, uh, the interpretations. Let's start at song facts. Yep. Fur Suter Chloe from Belvedere, Illinois says, it's about the shady life of some Americans which cover it up. Okay. I have no idea what that means. Uh-huh. Uh, Oppenheimer from Buenos Aires, Argentina says, the song is said to be about having the first sexual experience. Just pay close attention to the lyrics, but do not misunderstand, won't you come? So, uh-huh. Uh, I guess in response to other comments about rich people, refugee77 at gmail.com from St. Simons Island, Georgia says, why are some of you, especially Californians, crying about the evil rich? If it weren't for the so-called evil rich, no one would have a job, which most of you probably don't anyway. <laughs> Grow up, get out of your mommy's basement, and learn something about economics. <laughs> get a grip. Jesus. All right. If fucking MAGA man comes out. Uh-huh. Railing against Californians. I love it. Uh, James from Orange County, North Carolina says, I've been thinking about this song a lot, and I've concluded that it's about praying for Christ's second coming. At least that's my view of it now. Well, that to is which your... I say you are very wrong. I was, was going to say that is your view. 
So yeah. uh, there are 338 comments on song meetings. Oh no. So let's see if we can find some gems. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So uh, sign is time says sign is time says a couple of the biggest secrets of the occult are revealed in this song. Oh, no joke. The truth is really straight, really is stranger than fiction sometimes. And I think it's safe to say anyone who knows the true meaning would no doubt be labeled insane if they were to share it with others. Uh-huh. So cryptic. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's like a Mistopheles MySpace post. So cryptic. <laughs> it's said by a dumpster. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dale101090 says, It's amazing. It is an occult secret. And Chris was an earlier student of my mentor. Uh, and that comes with a smiley face. Uh-huh. This song is a love letter, invocation, chant, all rolled into one. Chris, I've been to the Black Hole Sun, and it is amazing. You will be missed. <laughs> okay. Uh, Decipherer. Oh, Decipher. That's a great oh, name. Nice. Says, Eddie Vedder is the Black Hole Sun. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, Empress Shelley says, This song is about ritual sodomy by a de- demonically possessed person. The Black Hole Sun is the anus. It is what it is. <laughs> sure is. Nailed it. And Vinny91 says, It's about butt sex or anal bleeding. Bleaching. Anal bleaching. <laughs> yes. So thank you, Song Meanings, for that. Let's go to the reception. Here we go. I hear all sorts of typing going on. Oh, yeah. It's exciting. Uh, Black Hole Sun did not chart on the Billboard Hot 100 in the U.S., uh, but it did enter the U.S. mainstream rock rock airplay chart on May 14, 1994, at number 27. It was between Round Here by Counting Crows. Oh, yeah. And Sold My Fortune by Sugartooth. Round Here is fine. It would peak at number 11. Sold My Fortune had already peaked at 27 and is pretty generic alt-rock for the time. So it's not... Horrible, but it's quite boring. Okay. Black Hole Sun would peak at number one on the U.S. Mainstream Rock Airplay chart on July 16th, 1994. Here is the rest of the U.S. Mainstream Rock Airplay chart that week. Number two, Collective Soul with Shine. Oh, yeah. Number three, The Rolling Stones, Love is Strong. Okay. Number four, Stone Temple Pilots with Big Empty. Number five, Pink Floyd with Take It Back. Number six, Stone Temple Pilots with Vaseline. Uh-huh. Number seven, Candlebox with Far Behind. Number eight, Meat Puppets with Backwater. Uh, they were riding high after being on Unplugged with Nirvana after Kurt Cobain died. Yeah. Um, Aerosmith with Crazy, or was it Amazing? Or was it Crying? I don't know. That was crazy. <laughs> uh-huh. Crazy, crazy, amazing, craze. Um, and at number 10, Live with Selling the Drama. All right. Oh, and on the Billboard Hot 100 that week at number 21, The Most Beautiful Girl in the World by Prince. Oh, of course. Interesting. So there you go. Uh-huh. Uh, Black Hole Sun would reach number two on the U.S. Alternative Airplay chart. And number nine on the U.S. mainstream top 40. Internationally, it reached the top 10 in Australia, France, and Ireland. And uh, actually hit number one in Iceland. Oh, okay. In the U.K., Black Hole Sun hit number 12 during the week of August 21st to 27th, 1994. The U.K. top 10 that week. Oh, boy. Uh, Number one, (laughs) Wet, Wet, Wet with Love is All Around. Uh (laughs) Number two, Let Loose with Crazy For You. Number three, Red Dragon with Brian and Tony. Compliments on your kiss. Uh-huh. <laughs> At number four, Sundu featuring Nana Cherry with uh, Seven Seconds. Okay. Number five, China Black with Searching. Number six, All for One with I Swear. Number seven, DJ Miko with What's Up. Mm-hmm. At number eight, though, Warren G. Bait Dog with Regulate. Yes. Yes. At number nine, something called 
18 Strings by Tin Man, mm-hmm. and a number 10, an all-time awesome song, Oasis with Live Forever. Oh, beauty. Uh, in Canada, Black Hole Sun entered the RPM Top 100 on June 6, 1994, at number 98, uh, between Annette Ducharme's Sanctuary and Dream on Dreamer by the brand new Heavies. Okay. Uh, Sanctuary by Annette Ducharme isn't bad. It's not a bad little pop song. It peaked at number 63. Uh, Dream on Dreamer is... <laughs> I mean, it's okay. It's just kind of boring, like, pop jazz. Okay. Uh, it peaked. At, it had peaked at number 47. Uh, the best part of the chart that week uh, was that live was at number eight with Smelling the Drama. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Amazing. Thank you, RPM, for uh-huh. that. Anyway, Black Hole Sun peaked at number five in Canada on August 29th, 1994. The rest of the RPM top 10 that week. Number one, Elton John with Can You Feel Love Tonight? Ugh. Number two, Lisa Loeb and Nine Stories with Stay, Open Parenthesis, I Missed You. Mm-hmm. Close parenthesis, sorry. Don't want to leave that parenthesis open no, for please. the rest of the songs. Come on. That would be bad. Seal with Prayer for the Dying at number three. Love is Strong at number four. Black Hole Sun at number five. Uh, John Mellencamp with Michelle and Deggio Cello uh, with Wild Night. Uh, number seven, Steve Perry with You Better Wait. What? All right. I don't know, dude. Sass Jordan with Sun's Gonna Rise at number eight. Jan Arden at number nine with Could I Be Your Girl. And at number ten, <sighs> Crash Test Dummies. Uh-huh. Afternoons and Coffee Spoons. Blah. Just, and oh. now for your RPM Magazine tidbit from August 29th, 1994. Speaking to some of the industry people, this is Walt says, by the way. Yeah. Speaking to some of the industry people about the upcoming seminar on music and film only attracted a yawn or two. Instead of pissing around, nickel and diming it with no hit crap, they should patch themselves into some of the millionaire writer panelists who score for films, commercials, and jingles. That's where the big money is. You know what? Walt should spend less time opinionating and more time editing uh, those song titles. Smelling the drama? Yeah, exactly. Come on, Walt. Another little piece here. Wouldn't you know it? K97 music director Steve Olson breezes into Toronto and Major League, ba- and Major League Baseball is still on ice because the, the strike, right? Yep. Um, judging from what he tells me about Edmonton Radio, it's pretty competitive and very entertaining. Maybe the major broadcast players who have stations all over the map should consider sending some of their deadbeat Toronto and area unpersonalities out west to learn how to communicate. <laughs> All right. And to this, and to this, writer uh, Elvira Caprice chimes in with a little, a little italicized note. Uh-huh. They know how to fornicate. <laughs> <laughs> what a rag this magazine is. <laughs> I, love, I love RPM. Uh, Black Hole Sun is certified gold in Australia, Italy, and the UK. It's been streamed 542 million times on Spotify. The official video has 232 million views since 2011. Pretty strong. Yep. Black Hole Sun uh, won the Best Hard Rock Performance Award at the 1995 Grammy Awards. It beat out Alice in Chains' as I Stay Away, Sabotage by the Beastie Boys, Longview by Green Day, and Pearl Jam's Go. It also won Best Metal slash Hard Rock Video Award at the 1994 video MTV Video Music Awards. It beat out Aerosmith's Crying, Anthrax's Black Lodge, and Liar by the Rollins Band. And with that, let's go to covers and samples. Here we go. So whosample.com says that Black Hole Sun has been sampled in nine songs. None are worth mentioning. Okay. Uh, that said, it does list Weird Al's interpolation of the track under samples. So that is, uh, he put a little snippet of it in the alternative polka off his Bad Hair Day album. Okay. Um, I consider that more of like somewhere in the middle of sampling cover. Yeah. Because he did, you know, it's kind of a, his own sample. His own sample of a cover that he did, but anyway. 
Uh, they list 68 covers. Here are some notables. There is a Moog cookbook version from 1994 that's pretty silly, uh, but it's good. Uh-huh. Uh, Sibu Mato did a cover in 1995. I said it's pretty cool. Paul Anka's version from 20, 2005 is garbage. Uh-huh. Um, 8-Bit Universe's cover is fantastic. Okay. 8-Bit Arcades isn't as good, but it's still decent. And Twinkle Twinkle Little Rockstar's version is tremendous. All right. Let's go to the video. Here we go. So the surreal and apocalyptic music video for Black Hole Sun was directed by British video director Howard Greenhall. The video follows a suburban neighborhood and its vain inhabitants with comically exaggerated grins, which are eventually swallowed up when the sun suddenly turns into a black hole. Can you believe it? Yep. And performs a song somewhere in an open field. Uh, in the video, Cornell can be seen wearing a fork necklace given to him by Shannon Hoon of Blind Melon, RIP in peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, in an online chat, the band stated that the video was entirely the director's idea and added, our taken it was at that point of making videos, we just wanted to pretend to play and not look that excited about it, which they achieved. Yes, they did. <laughs> <laughs> they said that the video was one of the few Soundgarden videos that the band was satisfied with. Yep. Uh, the video was released in June 94 after several weeks of airplay on MTV. A second version of the video was substituted containing more elaborate visual effects than the original, including the addition of the CGI black hole. That's the one that we probably watched. Yeah. My notes, and, you know, honestly, I tail off. So I'll just start, and you'll see how I tail off about three and a half to four minutes in. Yeah. Uh, very cool imagery to kick things off. Everything is very creepy. Even the shots of the band indicate not all is quite right. There's lots of freaks and distorted faces. <laughs> I said it's like Howard Greenhall got a hold of a cool new filter for his Media Composer 9000. <laughs> yes. Uh, I remember this being so cool when it first came out. We got a shot of a goat drinking milk from a bottle. I said the goat appearance will factor in my rating. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, we like goats. The lighting of this band, the lighting of the band in front of the green scene isn't great, but it kind of works in an arty kind of way. Uh, Cornell's Gretsch Gold Sparkle Jet guitar is absolutely beautiful. A glammed up woman uses one of those vintage vibrating slimming belts. Mm-hmm. While an oiled up Ultra Tad Hogan looking motherfucker <laughs> does push ups on the floor. Yes. Vincent Mann probably loved this video. Uh huh. And then I just said, creepy old people are creepy. Smiley girl jumps rope. Kids torture insects. Then a girl melts a barbie in a barbecue. And it goes on like this. I don't know. I kind of tailed off. Do you have anything to add? Because it just kind of goes on from there. Uh, here are my notes on this thing. Uh, I thought that the the shots of the band with like the green sky behind them yeah. did not look good. No. Uh, like, you, you have better technology than that in 1994. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, lots of big goofy smiles and distortion on people's faces. I said the Barbie doll is being barbecued, and then there's a girl eating ice cream and then basically barfing it up. <laughs> um, my last comment on this was I said, it's weird because I don't get it, but also as a Gen Xer whose formative years were at the time the video came out, I also totally get it. <laughs> exactly. Right? Like you watch and you're like, what is this? But then you put yourself in the time and you're like, that's what we did. Yes, exactly. So anyways, exactly. that's uh, comments there. Let's, I guess, rate it? Yeah, let's rate it. All right, buddy. Let's uh, let's hear what you have to say about the video in ratings format. I mean, I don't know. Like, I know what they were going for. Um, I just don't feel like it's as iconic as some of the other videos that came out mm. around this time, especially from, like, the Seattle bands. Um, I, I don't even want to say it's fine. Like, I, I don't think it's horrible, but I don't think it's great. And again, I just... I think that they're trying to be silly for the sake of it. And maybe, you know, again, like 16, 15-year-old me would be like, oh, yeah, that's pretty cool. But 
in my forties, nah, I'm gonna give it a three. Oh, yeah, the big man coming, 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 correct. Yeah, I mean, it's got that classic '90s video vibe for sure. It's got the strange visuals. The band kind of just stands around. I really don't think it captures the band at all. Yeah, uh, the ending is chaotic enough though. It's got a nice crescendo. Yeah, but like I said in my review, I kind of tailed off. Yeah, so I give an extra point. No. So I give an extra point for the goat, yep. but I'm taking off a point because I tailed off. It just kind of ends up a five for me. All right. What about the song, buddy? Uh, I'm giving the song a five. I'm cutting it right down the middle. I mean, I don't mind Soundgarden. They weren't one of my favorites of, of that genre. Um, yeah. Obviously, like, I don't think they're bad or anything like that. Just mm. didn't do it for me. And the song is kind of slow and plotting and goes on for five and a half minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like, kind of long. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, not a bad tune, but nothing that excites me. So yeah, five out of ten. Uh, okay, yeah. I mean, listen, I, I think the song's okay. Uh, it's one of the weaker songs on the album. The album's an absolute monster. Yep. You know, I'll still give credit where credit is due. It's a, it's a nice little tune. I'm going to give it a six out of ten. My son gives it a seven out of ten. It was, oh, okay. was by request from him. He's a big Soundgarden fan. We did a whole like, uh, like rate your top twenty artists of all time the other day it was so great yep because it was like oh you know he's got Matt good at number one and like Def Leppard right in there and like it's just ridiculous Soundgarden at like number two uh-huh so he's, he's a big Soundgarden fan he gives it a seven I give it a six and uh so you know there we go all right uh what do you, I actually don't know what you got cooked up for us on Tuesday all right well because we're not quite in the summer yet yes uh I'm gonna pick you're the voice by John Farnham <laughs> Yes, I love it. Uh, yeah, so that's what we got cooking in a few days' time. So, oh if, my god, I can't wait to talk hot rod, baby. Yeah, when we get a couple of uh, a couple of weeks from now, we're getting into uh, summer tracks, which we've already chosen. But if you have any summer songs or songs you like, us, I like us to cover in the meantime. Superhitspodcast at gmail.com is where you can hit us up, or on yeah. Twitter at Superhitscast, or on Instagram at Superhitspodcast. Yeah, I'm sure if some people wanted to hear something specific that we didn't pick, we could. We could start it early. Yeah, yeah, sounds like a you plan. Know, and add a couple to the start of the uh, start of the summer in, in June. But yeah, that's going to be exciting. Uh, we've got a few more weeks, uh, about four or five weeks left before that. So um, it's going to be a, it's some good times this summer. All right. So until then, you can also hit me up. I am Slip with Five Eyes or Sleep. I'm uh, Jamie C. My website is megamix.com.com. Thanks for listening, folks. See ya.